Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Revelation. If you want to, you can also maybe look over in Romans 1, put a piece of paper there. Romans chapter 1 will be there in just a moment towards the beginning of our message. But we're going to be in Ro- uh, excuse me, Revelation uh, chapter 10 this evening and begin a, uh, a section of Scripture there. Uh, let me, before we get into our text this evening, remind you just through these graphics where we've been. We've been looking at a chronological study of the end times and um, uh, we have studied the church age from the cross through where we are currently now looking forward to the rapture which leads to the judgment seat of Christ taking place in heaven and now for some time we've been in the tribulation period studying it and we're not in it literally but we are studying it and um, uh, and so we've been here and and we think we're at this, uh, in this study, believe where we're at, that we're in what we would call the, that halfway point. Get the rapture and the return book ending, the seven-year period uh, of the tribulation period. And, and it's divided in half throughout the scripture. In fact, if we get into chapter number 11 uh, in our study here in, shortly, you'll see that mentioned, uh, half of this described in two different verses and so we believe where we're at in chapter 9, 10, we're about halfway through this tribulation period. And we've been studying the judgments, these tribulation judgments, the seal judgments. Uh, we saw that back in, I guess, chapter number 6 and 7. And then we uh, have now, uh, last week, studied six of the seven trumpet judgments. There will be one more trumpet judgment to come. And then following that, I think it's in chapter 16, we get into the vile judgments, sometimes called the bowl judgments. And so we get into chapter number 10 this evening, and um, uh, this has been called, again, I talked about a previous one of our chapters we studied, it's kind of a parenthetical uh, period of, uh, of scripture. We're not introducing any new material or, or new timeline, I should say, but things that are taking place along with these trumpet judgments that we see here as we get into chapter number 10. But I want to begin our evening where we left off last Wednesday, chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. Uh, let's read those verses, verse 20 and 21 of chapter, chapter 9. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. The sins that are mentioned there in verse 20 and 21 are sins that were not just, they're not just going to be in the days of the tribulation period. These are sins that exist today and have existed. These are things that have been ongoing. And the fact that men will not repent in the tribulation period is not uncommon. To, it's not only going to be during that. We live in a day now when men refuse to repent of these things. And we can look back in our history and, and in the scriptures in the Old Testament and see that men refuse to repent. And that's what I pointed out in closing that last week, that there's this trend that we're seeing in the book of Revelation. It's a trend that's not uh, original to the book of Revelation. It's a trend that has always been and it will be through the end of the millennial reign of man rejecting God. 
no matter how good God shows himself to man, nor how wrathful God shows himself to man, man still finds a way to reject God. Now, as I mentioned, we, we often don't want to think of God in his wrath, in this side of him. We want to think of the good side of God, which there is that. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Uh, uh, we, we understand that, but there's also this, this side of God where he demonstrates and displays his wrath. And for some people, that's a difficult thing. But go back with me to the book of Romans for just a moment. Romans chapter number 1. In Romans chapter 1, we have this verse, verse number 16, where Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And he's going to go on to talk about the gospel of Christ. He says, for it, the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, verse 17, still talking about the gospel of Christ, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. It shows us the goodness of God. It shows us who God is. It reveals. In fact, that word revealed, it's from the same word where we get the word revelation. The revealing, the displaying, the the uncovering. The gospel of God reveals the righteousness of God from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now get verse 18. We've got to continue on. For the wrath of God is revealed. The gospel, if we're going to give the true gospel, there is this side of wrath. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now he's going to go on and describe much of that unrighteousness there, but I've already read some verses this evening there in Revelation chapter, chapter number 9, verse 20 and 21, of this unrighteousness, and men refuse, man refuses to repent. And as I mentioned, this will continue, uh, culminating at the conclusion of the thousand-year reign of Christ that we'll study about in chapter 19 of Revelation and at the conclusion of that, that millennial reign, there's going to be some people rise up again against God, rejecting him and his goodness. So thus far, we have seen the seven seal judgments and six of the seven trumpet judgments, which has brought great destruction to the earth and man. I mentioned last week at the, in chapter 9, verse number 18, it mentions of a third of the population that have now died. Back in chapter 6, verse number 8, it mentioned a quarter of the population has died. So just in those two, uh, those two series of judgments, over half of the earth's population has died. And that's not counting the, the believers that were already raptured out of here. This world is going to look like a completely different place after the wrath of God is poured out upon it, both in the earth and its nature, and then also in the, uh, the population of individuals that have been removed from this earth. God's judgment has increased, and man's rejection of God has continued. Now, as we get into chapter 10, this is an introductory message this evening because we're going to introduce a section of scripture in the book of Revelation. Uh, notice with me as we read chapter 10 verse number 1, 
Uh, well, let's read all 11 verses, just 11 verses, and this will get us introduced to this chapter and this section of Scripture. It says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as the pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. And cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which, were, uh, which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven." And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which there are therein, that there should be no uh, time no longer. But in the day of the voice of that seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. As I mentioned, as we get into this chapter this evening, it's, it's bringing us into a section of Scripture. Um, chapter number 10, verse, is just a small chapter, 11 verses, a little over 350 words, uh, but it's part of a larger section. Notice in verse number one, those first three words, and I saw. Now, saw is one of the key words of the book of Revelations. It's used uh, at least 40 times in the 22 chapters, and the great majority of them is of John as he's referencing what God is revealing to him, what he is being shown by God. Uh, we don't have time to look at all of these, but just go back to chapter number one of Revelation and, and notice as it begins this book, verse number one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Look at verse number 12 of this chapter. And I turned to uh, see thee, and, uh, and the voice that spake with me, and he turned, uh, I gave you the wrong verse there, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't go far enough. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Verse number 17. And when I saw him, I fell at, my, at, at, at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me. And those are just an example in chapter number one of the times that we see the various things that God's going to show him. We're going to see it again in chapter four, verse four, chapter five, verse one and two, chapter six, verse one, two and nine, chapter seven, verse one and two, chapter eight, verse two, and chapter nine, we saw it in verse one and 17. John saying, and I saw, 
and I saw, and I saw. And here he introduces chapter number 10 with, and I saw. Now the next time we're going to see it used in that fashion is chapter number 13. So what we're going to see, what John has seen now in chapter 10, 11, and 12. We're going to group these chapters together of what John is seeing here. It's one of the longer sections or one of the longer descriptions of what John has seen. And we believe, as I mentioned at the beginning, we're at the midpoint of the tribulation period in our study here. And um, as we get into these chapters, chapters 10, 11, 12, into 13, although they've not been revealed or mentioned yet in the book of Revelation, we're going to start seeing some characters that you've heard of before. If you're familiar with the end times, you're going to start seeing some, some terms and some characters that have not been mentioned as of yet, but they're here, like in chapter number 11. Look with me, if you will, to chapter 11. And look with me at uh, uh, verse number uh, 2. It says, But the court was it, uh, of which was it without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread upon for forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. There's some characters you've heard of before. We'll study that out. Who are these two witnesses? Can we know? Can we have an idea of who they might be? We get farther into chapter number 12. We're going to learn about and have introduced to us the beast or the antichrist. And and these various characters are going to start to come uh, being revealed to us. But we're at the halfway point of this tribulation period. Some of these individuals have already been active, although not revealed or named as of yet. And that's, as I thought about that, I... I think it brings out an important point when you study the book of Revelation. How many of you have ever put together a large puzzle, like maybe a 5,000-piece puzzle? You know, how many, we we got a few boring people in here, very good. And uh, we did that during uh, lockdown, you know, during uh, when we were, when we were under house arrest. We, we went old school and we started putting puzzles together, started sharing them. It was like a black market. We were sharing puzzles with different families in the church. And we had borrowed one from somebody and and we get it all put together and there's a piece missing at the end. And I said, those turkeys, they're back home with that one piece of puzzle, holding on to it, knowing that we would get to the end and not have that. We were talking to a family the other day and we were talking about experiences of raising our children. They said one of their kids, when they would put a puzzle together, would sneak one of the pieces out and put it in their pocket and hold on to it. And then when they get to the very end, they would be the one, oh, look, I get to finish the puzzle. If you just study the book of Revelation all by itself, you're going to have some missing puzzle pieces in this. You've got to study not just Revelation. If you're going to have a clear picture of the end times, you've got to bring other parts of this in there. And there are various parts of the scriptures that, uh, that, that are more uh, a part of this than others. When you get into the prophets there in the Old Testament, some of those minor prophets and major prophets, and, and, and certainly they're there. But you get into some like Daniel, very, very uh, prevalent with, with, with these prophetical things. Ezekiel, we'll look at some passages in Ezekiel this evening. The book of Joel. 
Even Jesus and some of his teaching, as I read last week out of Matthew chapter 24, these are parts of the puzzle pieces. And so it's good for us to study Revelation. There's a blessing assigned to it, but you're going to need God's word for this. You're going to need the entirety of Scripture. As I've undertook this study of the end times, I've... uh, Knowing going into it and certainly uh, uh, confirming this, uh, a, a good, thorough study of the end times is a deep, deep venture. And it certainly does require many hours of study and uh, of various Bible books, uh, books of the Bible. And, and I freely admit that I'm leaning oftentimes on the helps and the studies and the labors of other men and individuals that have studied the end times. When I study uh, for a chapter, like here, chapter number 10, I've got my Bible up on a stand on my desk. I've got my computer here opened up to all my Bible programs. And I've got four or five other books strawed out over my desk. And I'm constantly going from one to the other and looking these things up. It, It is a heavy, heavy study. But it's rewarding if you'll get into it. And so... Although we've not heard these characters introduced, we're going to do this. As I mentioned, the two witnesses of chapter 11, the beast will be introduced shortly, and more and more of these characters will come into play. All that to say, these next few chapters will bring us some light on several of these characters in the end times. So introduce ourselves to it this evening. Let's consider chapter number 10. And I want to ask, first of all, in verses 1 through 3, or talk to this evening about this mighty angel. Let's read those first three verses again, follow along. It says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. A rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as the pillars of fire. He had in his hand a light uh, excuse me, a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And we had cried, 700, uh, seven, seven thunders uttered their voices. Uh, as you consider this, the question would be, well, who is this mighty angel? And there are some good thoughts that I have seen and that I've studied and read on and considered on really two sides. First of all, there's the thought that this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, first of all, pastor says there's an angel. And and that's not an unusual thing, especially in the Old Testament. There are times when Jesus Christ revealed himself in the Old Testament, a pre-incarnate or pre-birth revealing of Jesus Christ uh, in the Old Testament. And we call those Christophanies. A time when Christ reveals himself before his birth. And he's often referred to as the angel of the Lord. Um, Some of those events there are with Abraham when he entertains the angels there. Uh, um, uh, Perhaps there with Joshua as we studied that as that, that, uh, that, that great soldier stood before him. He says, are you for us or against us? Uh, there in the book of Daniel and the, and the fiery furnace, the, the fourth man in the fire uh, was of the, like Jesus Christ. Those were what we would consider Christophanies, a, a revealing of Christ prior to his birth. And so to hear the angel of the Lord is not necessarily a disqualifier that this, is not, that this could be Jesus. In fact, the description of him is very Christ-like, isn't it? 
Um, he is clothed with the cloud. Uh, look back, let's just do a quick search through here. Chapter 1, verse number 7. Revelation 1, 7 says, Behold, he cometh with clouds. Uh, so he's clothed with the cloud. There's a rainbow upon his head. Look at chapter 4, verse 3, talking about Jesus. He said, he that sat uh, was, uh, uh, was to look upon like a jasper and a sardin stone, and there was a rainbow about the throne, sightless uh, like around an, about an emerald. Uh, so uh, he says his face is as the sun. Back to chapter 1, verse number 16. It says, in his, he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Um, uh, his uh, feet are as pillars of fire. Chapter 1, verse 15, it says, In his feet, like unto a fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. Um, uh, his right foot is upon the sea, and his left foot is upon the earth. We don't have time to go back for time this evening, but you can write down Psalm 24, verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 66, verse number 1. Both describing that God is the owner or the, uh, the creator of this universe. And there in Isaiah chapter 66, that's where he says his, his throne is in heaven and his, the earth is his footstool. And so the, uh, there's a description of this. Uh, his voice is as a lion. Back in chapter 5 of Revelation, uh, chapter 5, verse number 5, and he says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed. And it says, When he spoke, it was as there were, there were seven thunders. And again, Psalm chapter 29, verse number 3, has a similar description of the Lord Jesus. And so we can look at this and we can say, well, there is a description of this mighty angel that is fitting to Jesus Christ. And so the one thought is that this, is, this angel is the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's another thought that this angel is a, as it says here, another mighty angel. And I think the key word to that would be another he, John sees another, here's, he's seen all of these creatures, he's seen some fall to the earth, he's seen them in their various aspects, and he calls this another mighty angel. The other view is that this is not Jesus, because the next time Jesus is going to come to earth is in Revelation chapter 19 on his white horse, and, and with his army with him to come and put down the armies of the earth and, and, and Satan and his, and, his, and his comrades there. And so this is re, the, the thought is rejected that this could be Jesus. But this is another mighty angel. In fact, chapter 5, verse number 2, describes a strong angel. And many believe that this is in reference to uh, the angel, the archangel named Michael. Now we've heard about Michael. He's recorded for us in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. Uh, again, having difficulty to spend, to, to have all the time this evening, but in the book of Daniel, chapter number 10, verses 10 through 13, uh, there was, a, there was a, an angel that was going to come, as he's called a prince. He was going to come to see Daniel and to minister to Daniel. And by the time he gets there, he tells Daniel, he says, I was delayed. I couldn't get there. There was a spiritual warfare going on. 
Satan was fighting against this angel. And he says, it wasn't until Michael the prince or Michael the angel came and helped me in this battle. So we see Michael is a powerful individual or a powerful angel. Jude verse number 9 references that he fought with Satan over the body of Moses or disputed with him. And in Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, Michael and his, his army of angels battles Satan and his army of angels. And so we see that this Michael is a mighty angel. And I found this interesting, that the name Michael means who is like God. And if you think about that, who is like God, then his description there that we just read was fitting of God or of the Lord, could also be fitting of him. So I've given you two options, and you may ask now, well, who is it, Pastor? I've given you two options. I like some uh, arguments on both sides, to be honest with you. There's parts of it when I read about the Lord Jesus, I, yep, I like that, and then I, well, I don't know if I like that part, and, and, and then when the other side there. So I'm, I'm holding out there until the Lord gives me further light on this, but we have this mighty angel, and then described for us in this chapter is what this, little, this mighty angel is holding, the little book in verse number two. He had in his hand a little book open. Now, this little book, Again, it goes into more of a description of it in verses 8 through 10. Uh, John is told to, uh, uh, after he says, give me the book, and he says to take it, and this angel says to him, eat it up, at the middle of verse number 9, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And sure enough, he took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was my mouth, in my mouth, sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten, my belly was bitter. What is this little book? This description here is very similar to a description in the book of Ezekiel. In fact, turn back to the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament this evening. Ezekiel chapter number 3. Ezekiel chapter number 3. You ever want to read or study a book with some unusual things that take place? Read the book of Ezekiel. Uh, there are some certainly some uh, different and interesting things that God calls Ezekiel to do. He's very, uh, uh, he, some have said he's the first one to introduce drama to his messages, acting out messages, living out his messages. He certainly had a difficult calling in his life. And notice with me, it says in verse number 1 of chapter 3, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat thou that thou findest. Eat this roll, go speak unto the house of Israel. Now when we see that, 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 that command to eat this roll, perhaps your mind goes to your mama's nice cooked rolls there. That you had on Sunday afternoon with your Sunday lunch and, and, and think of those. But the role we're talking about here is like a, 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 a scripture role. Uh, the, 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 the scrolls of an idea. He's telling him to eat the word of God. 
And so he says, so I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. Very similar to what we hear back in Revelation chapter number 10. Now, I believe that this little book that he's referencing, that this mighty angel is holding there, is referencing, especially when you take into light what we see here in the book of Ezekiel, it's referencing none other than the word of God. God's words. And John was to take those words and to eat them up. And he said that it would be sweet to the taste, sweet in your mouth. Well, God's word even says that, doesn't it? Uh, Psalm chapter 19, verse number 10. uh, uh, Sweeter also than honey, and the honeycomb, speaking of the word of God. Psalm 119, 103 says, the psalmist says there that he, he partook of it, and it was as honey in his mouth. And I was thinking about it, I don't know anybody that doesn't like honey. Uh, you know, honey is good. I imagine somebody's going to tell me, no, I can't stand it. But I've never met anybody. If you don't like it, don't come tell me. Because it would, it would def- defeat everything I was thinking. I'm not even a big sweet person, but honey is good. It, it, it's satisfying. And the word of God is satisfying. But when we take all of the word of God, there are some bitter places, aren't there? There are some difficult places. There are times when the word of God convicts, when the word of God cuts, when the word of God reveals some things. Those are some difficult things that we must receive. In fact, you're there in the book of Ezekiel chapter 3 and chapter number 2. Let me summarize a chapter and I'll read one verse. Ezekiel's given a, a very difficult task. The people of God are far from God and and he's to go and to deliver the message uh, from God, to take God's word to them. And and God tells me it's going to be hard. He says, there are rebellious people. They've rejected me. They don't want anything to do with me, but I still want you to go and I still want you to present. I still want you to give my message to them so that they will know there's been a prophet. They'll know that there's been a preacher there proclaiming this. He said, I'm going to give you the things to say. You take my word. And look at the last verse of this chapter, chapter number 2, verse 10. And he spread it before me, this roll or this book. He spread it before me. And it was written within and without. And there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. I found that interesting as well. We're in a series of scriptures there in the book of Revelation described as the three woes, aren't we? These difficulties. And what John was to take and to eat up and then to deliver, as we saw there in Revelation chapter number 10, verse number 11, he said unto me, thou must prophesy or preach again before many people and nations and tongues and kings. You're going to have to deliver some things, John. You're going to take my word, and it's going to be sweet to your mouth, but then when you've got to see what the message is, it's going to be a bitterness there. And he's going to have to take that and do this and, 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 and take this to the people uh, of, of, this, of this message. 
As I mentioned, we read the Word of God, and many times it's sweet to the taste and it's good. And even when we take it and it's bitter, I want to say this, church, it's still good. We may not like it, but it's still good. Now, I didn't grow up in the days of castor oil. I'm going to give you an illustration today, and some of you are going to say, I had to take castor oil for everything when I was a kid. But I did grow up in the days when, when medicines did not taste good. Seems like now all the medicines, they make them taste like bubble gum or something like that, and the kids will just drink it up. They had not invented that idea yet in the 1970s. And I can remember, <laughs> I don't know who that was, but amen. I can remember my parents giving me some type of cough syrup or medicine, and oh, the awful, awful taste. In fact, I can remember a, an adventure we had one night that took place in our kitchen, and it, it involved my mom holding me, or my dad holding me by an arm with a belt in his hand, and my mom with a spoon and a bottle in this hand, and putting the, the, the spoon of medicine in my mouth, and me immediately expelling that out of my mouth, and and then it caused me and my dad to have a dance there for a moment and back to my mom. And it was just a cycle all evening. By the time I finally got done, I probably had overdosed on all of it that's in there in me. But just the awful taste. But why were my parents doing that? Because in the end, it was good for me. That medicine was good for me. And there will be times, church, you read something in the scripture that, 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 that you just don't like. It doesn't. It's not what you want to do. It's not what you wanted to hear. And God's word is always right. And God's word in the end is always good for us. And so even when it's that bitter things, just to receive it, take it, and let God's word make us. So we'll get into chapter number 11 next week and Start looking at some of these characters and even get to see perhaps who these two witnesses are, who these characters may be, and continue our study here through the book of Revelation. Let's, let's pray this evening. Father, we thank you for the word. Lord, as we've just rehearsed here and reminded ourselves tonight, Lord, so much of it is sweet to us, and, it, and at times, Lord, though it can be difficult to receive, and, um, but Father, it's still good, and it's still right. I'm thankful that we have a, a book, Lord, that cannot be wrong. Uh, Lord, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't get it, Lord, it's right, and Lord, we can trust it. So, Lord, I pray that we would receive it, we would take it and eat it up, and make it a part of our lives, God. And, uh, Father, I pray that you'd be with us now as we go home this evening, uh, protect us in our travels home. Uh, Father, be with us throughout this week. Help us to be bright and shining lights to those around us. And then, Father, help us to be back in our places this coming Sunday, Lord. And we'll thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good evening.